0: Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Luke chapter 13 Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. The second reading is from the book of John, chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? That he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him.
1: Good to see you. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we're going to look at a very difficult topic why do bad things happen to good people? Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we look at a question that many of us ask and wonder at, we ask that you might speak to us clearly from the Bible and give us some comfort, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why? Why is a question that never goes away when bad things happen to us? A child is born with cerebral palsy, We might fail an exam, a granny dies of COVID, a relationship ends or doesn't begin, some people are pretty slow to pick up on the vibes. (laughs) Why? Why might be articulated or elaborated on through questions like, well, where is God in all this? Doesn't God love me any more? or what did I do to deserve this? I can't address every issue that is linked to suffering, like such questions as how sovereign is God, or is God only sovereign over the good things that happen, but not in control of the awful things that happen? I'm also aware that when we come to this question, Different people react in different ways. Some people just get on with life. Others are deeply hurt, but eventually move through it and are able to integrate their suffering into their life. And others don't recover. Also, we need to bear in mind that people come from different cultures. Look at us. Many of us come from different places and so we will deal with the question of suffering and grief differently according to our background and upbringing. Unexplained suffering is very difficult to deal with and as this is a huge topic and I do want to try and give you some answers, I'm going to do it in two ways first of all, to speak generally about suffering in the world and then secondly, give some clues as to why Christians suffer. There wouldn't be a problem in regards to suffering if it wasn't for the character of God. An atheist should have no problem living in this world with suffering. They don't believe in God. But you see, we as Christians believe in God and we are confronted by the issue that the Bible says to us that God is, doesn't just say that God is loving, it actually says God is love. We might say of someone, oh, they're a compassionate person, but there are other things as well. But the overriding thing that the Bible teaches us about God is that God is love. And so, we are caught with bad things happening and with a God who loves us and cares for us. So, how do we proceed? When difficulties arise, we might ask the question, why? But there are some Christians who actually feel guilty in asking the question, why? They think, I'm having very little faith. I should have more faith. But no. Three people from the Old Testament as examples for you. In the book of Job, we are told that Job asks God why, not once, but 16 times. In the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, who is a prophet and has a conversation with God, says this, in the opening of chapter, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? He doesn't seem to be listening. And in Psalm 73, the psalmist there deals with the issue, it ain't fair. He says to God, I am acting in a godly way. I am trying to live the way you want me to live. But all I see around me is that wicked people prosper. Why, God? It's not fair. So what answer do these three men get to their uh, lament about suffering? God doesn't give them a simple answer. In fact, there are no simple answers in the Bible about suffering. Rather, God doesn't tell them why, but he actually explains to them that what he is doing with their lives is that he wants them to actually know him better. They are to learn about his character. Now, we might say it's all very well for God to remind us that he is sovereign and that his ways are higher than our ways but I still want some answers. Fortunately, as Christians, we have the New Testament and there is much more in the New Testament which gives us some reasons as to why we suffer. In preparing this address, I read a number of books. One author gave us 36 reasons for suffering. Now, you'll be glad to know that I'm not going to go through all 36 of them or the game will be over before you get home. Let me share, first of all, with you generally. The first passage that was read to us, what took place was while Jesus was here on earth, some tragedies occurred. Some people come to Jesus, And they told him about some Jews who were massacred in the temple. They had gone there to make their sacrifices. They were religious people. They were acting in a godly way. And they get killed. And their blood is then mixed in with their sacrifices. And so they ask, what did they do wrong? Now, in the book of Job, we learn that the Jews believe that calamity was seen as a punishment for sin. It's no different today. People ask, what did I do to deserve this? People may think, and you might think it, that God is punishing you for a particular sin. I've had people give me a great list of things that they've done wrong. And they said, well, David, have I got cancer because I did this? because I committed adultery or because I stole from the boss or what was it? But you see, Jesus explains to us, now that God doesn't act like that. In response to this question that these people ask about the murder of these people, Jesus points them to another disaster where a water tower in Siloam fell on people and 18 were killed. And Jesus makes the point and says to them, the people who are asked the question, well, these people were no more sinful than anybody else. Jesus really takes us back to Genesis chapter 3, which teaches us that we live in a sinful, broken, divided world where things go wrong regularly. They may be our fault, they may not be our fault, but it is the sort of world that we live in because we rebelled against God. And so therefore Christians get cancer like non-Christians. We all suffer through the bushfires or the floods. And Jesus is saying to us, when these sorts of things happen... What God is doing is saying, stop, look, listen. You need to repent and place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe when life was difficult for you, you might have done that. But I'm aware of the fact that that's not always the case some people react in the other way and they say, well, if that's what God is like, if these calamities come upon us, I'm not going to have anything to do with him. But Jesus is making the point that what should happen is that people ought to turn to God. Similarly, with the second passage that was read, in the Old Testament, physical ailments hardships and suffering could be traced to three causes. First, Genesis chapter 3, Adam's and Eve's sin. Secondly, the sin of a parent, or in regards to a child, one's personal sins. So that's the background and Jesus is going along. They see this man that is born blind and the disciples say, with this background in their mind, Who sinned, Jesus, this man or his parents? And because he's born blind, they think, well, he must have sinned in the womb. Jesus says, to their surprise, no, this hasn't come about because of their sin. Rather, it is to show the glory of God. In other words, God performs a miracle in regards to him receiving his sight again, but also he comes to have, see the miracle of who Jesus is. So, these two passages give us a general principle in regards to suffering in the world. That suffering is here because we live in a broken and divided world and yes, you may bring suffering upon yourself if you get blind, rotten, drunk and drive your car into a telegraph pole and break your leg. Well, whose fault is it? You know, your fault. But otherwise, you know, many things happen. Just generally that way, that is the way it is. So then, let me draw some implications in regards to Christians and why we, if we have a personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, suffer. Paul suffered terribly in his ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul writes, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure beyond our ability to endure that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. I wonder whether actually Paul was depressed where he writes, we felt the sentence of death. But you see, Paul has gone through a terrible time and if you read through 2 Corinthians, you'll see lists of sufferings that Paul went through. But he says that he has come in his sufferings to rely on God. In the same chapter, in verses 9 and 10, he says this, that he might rely on a God who raises the dead. Now, we live in a world of individualism and independence is encouraged. We are told to stand on our own two feet people are supposed to be bulletproof. But you see, we aren't. Contrary to the world, the biblical view is we are not to be independent, but we are to rely on God. And there are times in our lives where we may have difficulties, where we may be able to do absolutely nothing about the circumstances. People talk about control what you can control and that's true but there are things that we want changed that we cannot do anything about and that drives us or should drive us to depend on God. Why does God put us through some severe trials where there seems no escape or nothing we can do? He does it so that we will trust not in ourselves but in God and get to know him better. We learn in our difficulties about the power of God, a God who can raise the dead. So why do Christians suffer? First point, so that we might learn to rely on God. Secondly, it teaches us about God's comfort for us in our difficulties. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes these words, I was comforted by the coming of Titus. COVID has taught us that we need to be with one another, which really is a reflection of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where we're told that we are are made for a relationship with God and one another. And similarly, In our difficulties, we can be comforted by God's presence. The scriptures teach us that he will never leave us and never forsake us. And Jesus told his disciples that he was going to leave them in John chapter 14. He says, I'm going to die and I'm going to go away from you, but I will send another one who will be with you forever. And so those of us who have a trust in the Lord Jesus Christ know full well that whatever we are going through, God by his Holy Spirit dwells in us and is with us. God is our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. No other religion has this model of God identifying so deeply and so compassionately with humanity, God is with us, even if we don't feel like it, even if we don't think He's here, the scriptures remind us that He is. We are also comforted by god's words romans eight twenty eight to thirty and matthew twenty five to 34, which I do not have time for us to read through or contemplate on, but you might do so later, are passages which we may well turn to when we are distressed. Suffering leads us to look for God's comfort and to be assured that he is working his purposes out and that he is with us. Suffering also leads us to comfort others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, God comforts us in our troubles, and we have seen that, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. This passage. These words remind us that God uses our difficulties, the things that we go through, so that we can help fellow sufferers. Some of you will know that uh, I worked in palliative care wards of hospitals for some 15 years. On average, three people a week died in the wards that I worked on. When I worked at Greenwich Hospital, a man came in with his wife. She was dying. She was in her early 40s. They came in with uh, their 10-year-old son, their one and only child, and she was put into a bed in a ward where there were four beds. As was my habit, I went, once she was settled in, to go and introduce myself to her and say to her, that I was there for her as the chaplain if they wanted the man looked at me and he said go away and do not come near us again I thought oh what do I do with that so I went away and when I would go into that ward I'd minister as best I could to the other three people in the beds and then I'd just walk by and say hello and leave. One day, I was making a cup of tea in the tiny little um, canteen area, Kitchenette, and the man was there making a cup of coffee and we sort of were dancing around each other trying to do this. And he didn't say anything and then he blurted out, you wouldn't know anything about suffering. And I thought, what do I say to this man? Being a feisty little halfback, I was inclined to uh, (laughs) speak up. But I didn't. And I don't usually tell people about the things that I had personally gone through. But I thought, this man needs something special here. I found out later that he and his wife had been Christians but had turned away from God. So I said to him, when I was 20 years of age, my mother was made a paraplegic in a car accident and my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer and died a terrible death over an 18-month period. But I said, I know God loves me Although I often do not feel it, because Christ died on the cross for me, God showed his love for me in that Christ died. By that stage, the man had finished making his coffee and walked out without saying another word. The lady died shortly afterwards, a few days after, I think. And I wasn't on the ward. I was in another part of the hospital where only staff go. I was there for a while and this man came in and he looked at me and came up to me and I thought, what am I going to cop now? (laughs) And he just said these words, you have been a great help to my family and turned around and left. Now I don't know what went on in the hearts and minds of that family but you see, I have received comfort through God's word and by the fact that Christ died for me, and I shared that. And you too have been through things, and when you share with others, that too is a comfort to them. So, we are reminded we suffer so that we might know the power of God. We suffer so that we might be comforted and we suffer so that we can provide comfort to others. Two other things to say before I close. Character is important. Talent has some worth. Innate ability will get you so far, but ta- character is what sees you through. And in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4, it says, "'Suffering produces perseverance,' Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Our suffering is to make us more like Jesus. If you want an aim for your life, this is it. Because this is God's aim for your life, to make you like Jesus. We are being conformed, as it says in 829 of Romans, that we are being conformed to the likeness of Christ. God is using what you go through, big and small, to train you for the future, the future here on earth as you live as a follower of Jesus, but also for your eternal salvation. Which leads me to the last thing. The Bible offers us, no guarantee that suffering will be removed. We can pray for it. Oh, I pray for it regularly, that God will take away the various problems that we might have, that you might have, that I have. But he doesn't always do so. My mother remained a paraplegic for another 31 years before she died in another domestic accident in my brother's home. But you see, Paul tells us that they're momentary troubles. He's not making them any smaller. He's just reminding us that 70, 80, 90, 100 years that you might live is small bickies in regards to eternity. We can't come up with a word of how many million, trillion years, billion years it might be but that is what it is. And the wonderful thing about it is, as it says in Revelation 21, that we will be with God and that we will live forever with him where there is no pain, no crying, no tears. It is all passed away. No spina bifida, no depression, no anxiety. These things are gone. The hope of heaven is our comfort. It gives us an eternal perspective. The question why will remain with us always. When something bad in inverted commas comes again, you'll wonder why is God doing this? And I hope I have given you some answers. The words at the end of Psalm 73, which I say to you not lightly, and it's also a constant struggle for me, is that we are called upon in our struggles to bear in mind the character of God. The psalmist who was struggling with the issue of why do the wicked prosper and why is so life so difficult for him? In one verse he says, suffering is my breakfast. Every morning he gets up, he was in pain. But he comes to this conclusion. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds the Bible gives us no simple answer to suffering but I hope it may have this evening I may have given you some insights that might help you as you ask the question why I'll pray and then we'll continue on with our service Heavenly Father each one of us has been wounded no one walks this earth without suffering, even Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you might help us and strengthen us, help us to think through what you have in mind for us in our lives and what you have done. And may whatever it be, help us to continue to remember that the most important thing is to know and love you, for you love us and sent your Son to die for us, in whose name we pray.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with
1: God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.com Dot org dot au. And be sure to
0: subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.